and welcome to the Sprocket Podcast, where we are simplifying the good life. I'm Aaron Flores. I'm Joan Petta, and I am already laughing. Uh, we are broadcasting from Portland, Oregon, nestled in the heart of Cascadia. Hi, I'm Armando Luna. This is a show where we bring you somewhat irreverent conversations about the intricacies of thinking locally with a global perspective and enjoying the best that life has to offer along the way. And I'm Guthrie Straw. We cover bicycling, trains and transit, infrastructure, adventures, and today, navigating the city without technology. Without? And dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Hey, everybody. Hey, how's it going? It's going hello, well. Hello. I didn't know we were going to chat about navigating without technology. I'm not sure I should be the one in this. In this didn't you see it on the on the technological <laughs> show notes that we <laughs> I, that's true. accessed with our devices and then decided to, well, maybe talk about tonight? The technology is terrible. What has it done for us lately? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's all just different chips, and each year they take the chip out and they put another number on it, and they put it back in the same box. And technology, uh, yeah, we had a um, reader request, a listener request to talk about navigating without technology within an urban environment. Um, a lot of people getting off of various platforms these days, and. Maybe we need to get off our navigation devices and look up in front of us and see, you know, that tree or that branch or that pothole that, that we're about to hit. Or maybe that freeway <laughs> that our mapping application is about to put us on. Uh, but before we get to that, we were catching up on our weeks. Um, since Joan is next to me in the screen that we're using technologically to have this interaction right now. <laughs> how was your week, Joan? Oh, uh, pretty good. So one of the things that's been uh, fun in my household lately is that one of my kids uh, has a part-time job and is getting back and forth by bike. So um, we were out and about a little bit. And it's funny because, you know, I... I commute all the time. We just did a whole episode on it, but I felt like with my kid, I had a very small window of information I could share, right? So, uh, you know, parenting teens, you just take the windows that you get. So I was just like, what are the most important things that I want? Like, how do I distill like, you know, 10 years of, of bike commuting experience into, you know, 10 minutes as we go to the bike shop to get, you know, lights or a couple pieces so, uh, yeah, that's been really fun to think about. And also I'm, uh, I'm, you know, I'm not a super nervous parent, but I, I'm a little worried. And I think that's cause, you know, as a bike person, I am very aware of, you know, what, what, what can go wrong. Right. So anyway, I'm a little worried, but it's great. It's so, it's so nice to be, uh, the, you know, I didn't, like make the last time I really made my kids go for a bike ride was uh, Mother's Day, like eight, nine years ago. And we, and they said, okay, we'll go out for Mother's Day brunch, but we're never riding bikes again. <laughs> like, I took them maybe a little too far. Like maybe I chose a restaurant that was a little too far away. So, um, yeah, so I've been very patient these past several years. And uh, now it's nice to have 
you know, and actually he expressed interest in there's a bike, an old uh, road bike in my basement that I haven't been using was thinking about selling, but he, he took it out for a spin and got Ooh. excited about that. Nice. So yeah. Nice. Yeah. So it's like nice to have another um, bike fan in the house and I'm trying to like uh, pretend to be cool about it. Mm. <laughs> That's right. You don't want to be too excited about it because then, then it's like, Oh, well, Mom thinks it's cool. It can't be cool, right? Uh, Right. I mean, um, yeah, right. Like, if I'm too excited, that will just by virtue of, yeah, my my enthusiasm will not be. Being enthusiastic may not be the best strategy. Probably also listening to me right now. And so spiking (laughs) is terrible. Only... Well, no, I'm not even gonna go there. You got you got to play it cool, right? That's yeah. that's all I'm saying. You know, it's it's cool, cool. You want to bike? Cool. That's cool. If you yeah, don't, that's fine. I only yeah. I, should we I should we go to the a, shop? I only host a bike centric podcast, but whatever, it's cool. Yeah, yeah. So we're in the bike shop, and you just asked if we could go to another one. Yeah, that's fine. Ah, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah, that's totally fine. I <laughs> no, I, I don't know what bike shop you were at. <laughs> What do you mean? Oh. What? I don't even know what. I don't know what you. Are you just making a joke? Oh, are you trying to? Are you auditioning for like easy listening radio or I do, something? I do I feel like, like this. No, I like the mic. I'm, I'm speaking into the mic sideways, so I can't see my face. It's, it's pretty fun. <laughs> well, it has this effect of like, like almost deepening your voice. Uh, no, I know. I noticed it. Maybe I should turn my headphones down there. You say, no, still that uh, way. I'm Ira Glass, and this has been This American Life. <laughs> I don't know if I can say that. No, you should okay. say. Oh, I had some woman is... ask me to call her an Uber, and I almost said, You're an Uber, but I didn't. And I said, <laughs> I'm not sure how I would do that. And she's like, That's fair. And then she walked away. <laughs> <laughs> call me. <laughs> You're an Uber. Oh, man. Anyway. Classic. <laughs> okay wait. i w- oh oh no you're good <laughs> i was gonna say wait i get it I, it just took me all of that time uh aaron how was your week <laughs> all right i was just handed by my loving partner um my regular glasses because she couldn't <gasps> stand the fact that i was wearing sunglasses both indoors and with the lights off <laughs> and at night uh, yeah i mean the... <laughs> no, here's the best Stop part cool. it's like i observed it but i didn't even think much of it you're just like all bundled up black like blanket or jacket <laughs> no, black is, hat sunglasses it's just with like, like, like that's just Aaron. And... yeah it's just, <laughs> just how i do that's all it's just you know <laughs> i mean i don't know if I don't know if we were, we were definitely not on camera at the time, but there was a period where I was soundproofing myself by putting a blanket over top of my whole apparatus and talking from underneath the blanket. Uh, I, I come to realize that, that doesn't make that big of a difference. I just figured that you like hung out with Corey Hart a lot <laughs> in your youth. <laughs> I I did not know. Oh, okay. <laughs> he was... Co- coversion thought evolution then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
what how has my week been? It's it's been all right. Um not a whole lot to to really Oh, oh. I will say this though. We have Ride the Rim weekend off together Anna and I. So odds are I'd say approaching 80% that we're actually going to do it this time around. That's uh, Crater Lake? Is that what you're yes. talking about? Yes, Crater Lake, Ride the Rim. So That uh, sounds great. Anyone want to join us at the campsite for the weekend? I hit me, hit me up. Wait, you do you do have a campsite? I thought you didn't have a campsite. We don't have a campsite at the campgrounds themselves, but there is a campsite just a few miles away from it. Oh, really? Would still oh, I might want to do it with you then. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Are Are you asking us, your co-hosts? Or are yes. you asking? Yes. DM me later. For, okay. For don't this. tell the listeners. <laughs> listeners you can dm me as well (laughs) (laughs) and whatever whatever uh dming it's uh, they've got two weekends they do september 11th and 18th we're taking the second one yeah well i'm gonna i'm thinking about it yeah give it some thought yeah I'm, i'm i'm excited we're gonna bring our full size bikes this time Unless everybody shows up with with their bikes, I don't know. Last time we ran out of room, so we took the Bromptons, but we still made it. It was great. It was fun. That's that's great. I do you have any pictures of you all like with these majestic backdrops and then your Bromptons? I don't oh, yeah. know. I just think yeah, um, yeah, that's great. <laughs> I think actually, Eva. From, Are they well, the- Eva from Clever Cycles met up with us. I don't know if she posted it on her personal or on the Clever Cycles. Uh, Instagram, but it exists out there somewhere. I don't know why they don't use that as the as the main photo on the Ride the Rim <laughs> website. <laughs> Probably not. They just have we, these people all like kitted out and like run fancy yeah. bikes. Yeah, that's not what they should. We use. are not the demographic <laughs> they're going for. <laughs> I all will right. say this: they provided a uh, peanut butter and uh, gold. Uh, the pretzel goldfish to like dip into the peanut butter. Like they're at all these snack stations. That was like one of the main snacks that they had. We ate the shit out of those. Like anytime there was a snack station, we'd stop there and just chow down. Goldfish and peanut butter. The, the pretzel goldfish, which are my oh, favorite. Oh, not the apparently, cheese goldfish. Apparently, gotcha. I didn't know this. This is this is a divisive snack. There, there's a lot of like cheddar purists out there. I did not know this. Yeah, you know, I... name is name a snack that isn't divisive. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I really like everyone's like in, lost in thought. Do you remember when snacks weren't divisive? Well. <laughs> Pepperidge Farm remembers. <laughs> <laughs> you know who doesn't remember when snacks snacks were de- well divisive? Nabisco doesn't remember. <gasps> oh yeah, Danny DeVito doesn't remember. Oh, I don't know what I'm talking. About. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. You don't know what I'm talking about. No, oh, it's did, stupid did... Twitter in joke. I'm not going to get oh, in. Okay. Okay. Anyway, he tweeted support of. There's a Nabisco strike right now there in Portland. Is. That's the. Don't... That's the. 
Don't get your and snacks somewhere from else. Nabisco. Go with Little Debbie, who's probably owned probably by owned by Nabisco. <laughs> 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 they they own all the they snacks. Own everything, yeah. <laughs> Armando, <laughs> how's your week? Switching gears. <laughs> Just grind it right into the next one. Uh, my week was fine. I um, so I'm still sort of thinking about. I participated in the Swift Summit 100 oh, yeah. Century Ride, and so I did that on the 14th, and uh, still stoked on that. It was super fun. Rode with a great group. Ended up riding with a great group of people. I shouldn't say riding with. Ended up having breaks at the same time with a great group of people. <laughs> Took a lot of long breaks. Um, it was really hot. Uh, so yeah, that was really good. So there's another ride coming up in Independence, Oregon, Hophead Hundred. And I asked John Luke if he wanted to do it, and he said he would attempt the sixty, the metric century, the sixty mile ride. So uh, we started training for that. That's fantastic. When is that? That's in October. <clears throat> First that's week of October. Well, good for him. That's great. I mean, yeah. you too, but that's nice. Yeah, yeah. the only thing I warned um, him at go, it's in October, so it may not be, and it probably won't be summer weather that we're having now. <laughs> but that might be a good thing, because well, summer I mean, weather, you know. Stormy, rainy weather would totally not be ideal, but. Well, keep us tuned. Let us know. Yeah. How it goes. And Guthrie, your week? My week? It out. Oh, see, I was seeking a clever segue into urban uh, route nice. finding, but you've caught me <laughs> unguarded. Uh, well, you I see, will... I spent the week uh, navigating without the use of technology, so... <laughs> I fucking wish I'd have used technology. Uh, my week... <laughs> oh, 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 story time. <laughs> yeah, story time. Um, I've been, like, really good at putting things on calendars since I started my current uh, employment situation. Um, and I was feeling real good about myself and had a nice... A weekend of rafting planned with my partner and some folks down on the Rogue River and got down to the Rogue River and went to the campsite and we were like, hmm, that's weird. There's nobody here. And we're out of signal, of course, because it's out in some remote area of the Calmeopsis. And we're like, okay, well, we go like hunt around, find a campground somewhere and Wake up the next morning and get out to signal and double check the email. And it's like, oh, they had said next weekend, didn't they? So totally, totally didn't drive five hours both ways uh, for an event that's not happening. (laughs) Totally didn't didn't do that this week. Uh, Oh, that stinks. And that's my story about maybe going there next week. But uh, hey, at least I know what it looks like now. That's right. You're just you're just going. That's all. Yes. So you can wayfind without a map next time. Well, I need a date finder where, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I actually, you know what? Terrible. I'm so sorry. That's so, you just feel so. uh, I have to throw myself under the bus just to like laugh at it because otherwise I'll be annoyed at myself. So I'm just practicing humility and being like, yeah, calendars, they're a fucking thing. Uh, (laughs) Helps when you put the right date. So I'm tempted to go to Crater Lake, but I'm worried if I'm going to show up a week early. (laughs) 
Well, if you show up a week early, you still might make yeah, it. Yeah, somebody will be there. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll take photos. Crater Lake will be the there. Insta Crater Lake. You yeah. can oh, still good. ride the oh, ram. Good. There just might be a lot of cars there with you. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't happen often, but it does happen. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that was my week. Wow. And, uh, partner is very gracious and understanding and, you know, didn't throw me under the bus at work today, apparently. So, yay. <laughs> That won't stop me, though. <laughs> Just because no one def- puts me down doesn't mean I can't put myself down. Yeah, that's the reality I'm trying to extricate myself <laughs> from right now. <laughs> Anywho, wow. uh, yay. Yeah, new week. It's a new day. It's a new dawn that's given to me. Everyone gets one. I couldn't. I the only reason I have mostly advanced calendaring skills are because of uh, an earlier lifetime of things that I have mostly forgotten and will desperately attempt not to remember like that. So, amen. Yeah. Yep. Dig it. All right. All right. So here's our graceful transition. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that was that. <laughs> I just thought I'd make it even worse. So Okay. Wanted, oh. No, go for it, Guthrie. Go for it. So we wanted to talk a little bit about a question slash show topic idea that a listener wrote in uh, talking about urban navigation in the context of not using electronic aids. And I feel like this has come up a little bit when I, usually when I start my Google rant uh, or my company that starts with a G that, ends with Google and uh, how it likes to send you interesting places. Um, But we wanted to take the next 25 minutes or so and to maybe talk a little bit more holistically about methods that folks can use to navigate without technology aids. Um, This can be a very useful skill, particularly for those who have found themselves with their technological devices dying partway through rides. Uh, and also just as a general get about some some good rules of thumb, some life hacks, if you will, da, 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 da. Uh, and uh, just general experiences navigating without devices. Um, so, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll start and say that uh, I have navigated with like some aid of technologies for better part of a decade. Um, but a lot of times that's like going on Google at a Wi-Fi hotspot and like writing the turns down, like turn by turn into a notebook and then you follow that. Uh, So that's like, I guess they're still technically using navigation. um, But some things that come to mind in in terms of navigating without technological aid would be like landmarks, catchment features, and also um, sort of Roman style grid knowledge or good like rules of thumb for not ending up too far away from where you try to be. So I thought something that might be fun is uh, I'm going to go last, but we could go sort of round robin. And I thought I'd ask our co-hosts, if somebody gave you a specific address to get to in a city that you were not that familiar with and you couldn't navigate via technology, how would you get there? Oh, that's okay. So you're saying that I am in a city that I know a little bit. I know what city I'm in. Maybe I know it, but 
you know you're going to Chicago and you know that their hot dogs are good, but you might not know how to get to the best Chicago-style hot dog. Don't you dare put ketchup on that hot dog. I think (laughs) I'm... If you know, you know. I mean, as we said, snacks are never controversial. (laughs) (laughs) I'm definitely putting ketchup on my hot dog. So maybe I shouldn't go to Chicago. This Uh, episode um, was paid for by Nabisco. Try our ketchup. It's made with red sauce. The ketchup league. (laughs) The the ketchup league. It could be a vegetable to some people. Anyway. uh, Yeah. So that. Yeah. So what I would do. Okay. Well. And and let's say that I didn't have any advance notice because you could go to a city like uh, Savannah, Georgia, where it's on a grid system and all very neatly, nicely laid out and get to a lot of places or, you know, in a lot of cities, you may have a numbering system, although you kind of have to know the numbering. But truly, if I was stuck in a place and needed to get across town and didn't know how, I would just ask for directions. I mean, I would just I would ask somebody, I would, you know, go into a convenience store where I thought somebody was working. I mean, I don't know if that was like the answer you were going for, but that would certainly be a starting point. Like, especially if it was a city that I've never been to at all. Right. Uh, As opposed to one where I had some passing familiarity, I would ask for help. And then again and again, as many times as I needed to, or I suppose I could go in and buy a map, but I don't, I think I would ask before, it occurred to me to buy something. I think that's great advice. Uh, Aaron, how would you find your way? I, I, was, I was a little stymied by this question because I wasn't sure how primitive or how non-technological we were going to be. You know, like, was I allowed to use a map? Um, yes. Uh, just, just <laughs> okay. you know, let's let's pretend that like we we touched down in a place and our phones died. How would you okay. do it? If you so, like, you you got to get to the you got to get to the place you're staying for the night. You've got to get to you know a place that is it's good to get to. All things considered, I, that that you want to go. I will go back and I will, I will tell like kind of a small story of when I first landed in Portland and um, I had. I had been staying um, in one place, uh, incidentally, off of Division Street, now my kingdom, uh, and I didn't really know where a whole lot of anything was, but with not a lot to do, I oriented myself just by like walking up and down the grid streets and kind of building a map in my head, and... Like, there was a few places where, like, someone was like, oh, uh, do you know where the, like, uh, the stump town is? And I was like, oh, actually, I do. And I was able I was able to, like, bring my friends there, and we met some other people there. Or there was another meeting place that we had to be, and they're like, yeah, it's off of this and this. And I was like, okay, well, I know where, you know, 34th Street is in relation to whatever, just from having walked around all over the place. Um yeah, so given no set timeline, I would feel pretty confident in finding a given place in a city just by kind of wandering around. Like finding the various landmarks and cuz every every city is laid out in a in a pretty logical sense except Pittsburgh. But that's a whole other story. 
<laughs> yeah, and we'll uh, say for the sake of argument, we're talking like U.S. cities. Uh, obviously, there are places that are laid out different ways. Sure, uh, but but our our knowledge pertains mostly m- to cities in the U.S. Most, Let's just say that. Yeah, in most cities, I I guess yeah, in the U.S. or in my experience, and like I haven't I, I haven't been around a whole lot of international cities, um, except for Mexico City. But even then, like they're all laid out in relation to something. You know, Mexico City, like, you can find things in relation to various parts of Mexico City. And, and even even with Pittsburgh, like, that city is laid out in relation to uh, the, the three rivers that come together. You know, in our city here in Portland, it's, it's laid out somewhat in relation to the Willamette River and the Columbia River. Um, and then also, like, the various cross streets. So eventually I would figure out a pattern in how things are laid out and then try to navigate in that way. Right on. Armando? It's funny when you mentioned maps and I was thinking, do do phone books still have maps of the cities in them? Because growing up, do phone books My still have, phone do books. phone maps. books still have phone books? Have <laughs> maps of the city in them, and, and I haven't thought about that in forever. But what are you, you going to go into a phone booth and get the phone? <laughs> well, no, book? but that's what I'm saying. No, but I mean, I mean, so preparing yourself to go to a city that you've never been to. I mean, that's one of the first things I do is take a look at a map of the city, and if I'm there, I mean, I, I haven't done this in forever. But, you know, oh, the phone book has a map of the city in it. My, my growing up, my city's phone book had a map of the city in it. And so it was always very handy to find out where you were. Um, but it's interesting that you mentioned uh, walking around Portland, because when I first moved to Portland, that's one of the first things I did was try to find out, get the lay of this land, you know, find out what the city was like. And it was relatively simple on the east side, west side, not so much. Um and even today, some of the uh, some of the angled streets I get confused on, like Foster and and Sandy, and it's like when you're on Foster, because it's not parallel to some of the other major streets. It's like, wait, is this how far away is this? You know, and because now it's diverging, and you're like, oh, there's huge. It's a huge way from Foster to Powell over here, but you know, it's only one block right here. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I generally take a look at a map somehow and then, uh, and then just, I'm, I'm one not to ask for directions. I like to find things and even if I get lost, so, you, you know, cause if you get lost then you learn and then you don't do that again, hopefully. Or you find a better way to the place you were already trying <laughs> to go. Well, it's interesting that when you talked about the directions, Joan, I, I, I remember reading this somewhere. There's, um, people that know directions by landmarks like you have to give them landmarks or they know directions by go six blocks turn left go eight more blocks turn right go you know they know it by like i don't i don't know how to not by landmarks but by like i guess waypoints you know um this it's really interesting that you mentioned that because uh one thing that was really interesting to me so i've lived uh 
for longish stints in two different countries, once in Cairo, Egypt, and then um, more recently, I lived for a while in Ethiopia. And um, in bo- like, I remember when I moved to Egypt, they were really clear with us, like, you know, because you take taxis around, right? And the taxi drivers know pretty good tourist English. I mean, or they learn, they've learned English and a lot of other languages. So even if you don't know Arabic yet, um, a lot of times you can sort of have a conversation with them to get where you need to go. But they basically said, don't show them a map and tell them where you want to go. Like you might have a map in front of you, either printed out or on your phone or whatever. And don't, that doesn't help them because they don't know how to. So and then the same was true in um, in Ethiopia, where I mean, I actually had a coworker who had who who worked with like GIS and yet still geographic information systems and still like reading maps and knowing what a map looks like. That's like a that's a kind of literacy, right? And American kids and lots of other kids, but American kids are like taught that in schools, right? We have maps in our classrooms, right? Like that is how we kind of understand the world. Even now, right? Like as adults, we might think of the Pacific Ocean as being to our left, right? Because that's how it is on most American. Yeah, exactly. And we can, and most of us can, like, can you all point to it, right? Like you kind of have a sense of directions. Yes, up, no. Um, (laughs) But uh yeah, it's being orienting yourself by map is a kind of literacy that that a lot of people don't ever learn, like they don't grow up that way. So you can have uh, like a cab driver or somebody who knows their way around town incredibly well, but couldn't look at a map of the city and tell you where they are or where they're going to go. So it's, it's something you have to learn, which is to say that there are also other ways of getting around that don't involve either a printed or, you know, app based map. Yeah. And I think uh, in terms of like some of those ways to get around, um, like I, this is just been getting me thinking about ways that I like to orient if I don't have a uh, good signal or map access, like, I think a lot of us have the opportunity from like our base station, if you will, whether that's a hotel room or your house or, you know, what have you, um, to kind of see where you're going. And so we, we get that like map flash of where we're at presently and kind of where that pin is. Um, but some things that can be helpful is just, I guess, looking at topography, uh, seeing whether you're going like generally up or down, um, if you know like where you're, I, I'd call it like a catchment feature where if you need to go someplace, assuming again that it's kind of on a grid system, let's say your destination is on 60th and you're at like Ash Street. Um, you know, these are Portland names, but this could be any fictitious city. You know that you need to head starting a general direction, uh, heading that direction until you start to get into the numbered streets and then heading that way until you hit, uh, you know, a smaller street if it's a if 60th is a busy street knowing that if you go past 60th um that it's going to be like a bad day or also the difference between like ave and place uh is another common one too or like court versus street um being being attentive to those smaller details because sometimes you end up like close and you're like god where the hell is this and you you realize it's like you are on it but you're just on like 
the different subcategory of the street that's right next to the street you're trying to find is um, a pretty common one, I feel like. In terms of getting through town, uh, I think every town has its landmarks and its features. So if you're navigating, um, maybe you're lucky enough that there is a public bikeway and you can take the bikeways most of that. Generally speaking, if I'm in a city that I don't know the bikeways for, if I find one, I'll try to like, I guess, arm wrestle it into like working into my route. And if I can't do that, then you have to deviate. But I think of it as like streams of traffic uh, or or like flows of um, flows. What am I trying to say? Basically, the bigger the street is, the more people that typically travel down it. And so knowing what your big streets are or knowing if if you hit like this big street past your destination that maybe you've gone too far. Um, And then from a general navigation sense, uh, knowing that you can be in small streets, but knowing how to get back to the big streets, that's where you're going to be hitting your sort of arterials and your ability to really like open up the landscape. And let's say you're just like trapped in neighborhoods and then you're like, oh, cool, there's commercial. Sucks to ride commercial, but hey, at least it goes north and I kind of need to go north right now. Like using those sort of to your advantage, um, even if it's a bit of sidewalk (laughs) riding or something like that. Uh, yeah, so those are, you know, I'm just thinking like tips and tricks. Like when I, when I set to write about Portland, I know the city pretty well, but at the same time I navigate a lot by feel and like, Oh, is this the right elevation? Do I feel like I'm too much up or down or left or right? Um, and like, have I crossed, have I crossed like the busy street or am I still on like the correct side of the busy street relative to where I'm trying to get to? I do. I, I want to jump in and point out, though, that um, there is a certain privilege in being able to sort of wander around without care in your city. And there are some people who might not feel as comfortable doing that, right? Like if I'm in a new place uh, or other people are in a new place, there may be they may be reluctant to do that sort of freeform exploring. And I just sort of want to put it out there that we are sort of aware of that as an issue that for safety concerns or not wanting to be in sort of a part of town that, you know, maybe they not might not feel as welcome in. There are some folks who might not want to um, sort of do that exploring. But I also, I wanted to say though, one of the things that I think I've been, so Portland is the first city that I've lived in where, I've pretty much since I've been here, I've had like a GPS or mapping system available to me, right? Everywhere else, whether it was overseas or whatever, like I moved there or learned my way around before. Like when I lived in a rural area in Western North Carolina, mapping systems didn't work really well there because the addresses would be like several digits, like highway something or other. And it would send you to the wrong, like this is the old map quest, right? It would send you to the wrong place or whatever. Um, and I realized that I don't think I know Portland as well because I've used like mapping systems so much. And so one thing I try to do sometimes, whether I'm driving or on my bike, is I do try to like not, not, like if I know how to connect to places, I don't look at my, I don't use Google maps to try to figure out like, is there a faster way? If I have a few minutes where I'm like, okay, I know how to get between these two places, roughly speaking. So I'm going to try to do that a little bit instead of like, like, let's say it's two places I don't usually connect, but you know, I can kind of, I'm trying to like figure it out a little bit, especially on my bike. Um, 
there are parts of the city that I don't know how to connect as well. Right. Um, yeah. And sometimes things are not, yeah, actually I was just texting Armando last week and basically saying, what's the best way to get to this part of town? Because it's like, I mapped it and I don't really trust Google maps anymore. And I was like, I don't trust that they're going to send me the right way, but I, I did trust that Armando would (laughs) send me a pretty good way. Um, but yeah, so I think that's actually sort of a good cognitive like I think that's good for our brains to try to like find our way places where maybe we mostly know what we are even if we don't know the like ideal way to go and another really good way to learn new routes is like going on um, big group rides in different parts of town is a really good way to like learn a new part of the town and learn new ways of connecting parts of town that maybe you wouldn't have found on your own so just a shout out for group ride leaders who bring you to parts of town that you might not normally explore. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think I appreciate the acknowledgement as well. I'm like, I'm trying to think of ways that could address that. Um, like whether it's more of a transit related trip. I mean, there's the, the same issues that affect the comfort of moving through any portion of the city, I think affect most modes of transit. So there's the spend more money option and maybe you get a more streamlined experience. Uh, Can you think of any other ways that might mitigate a feeling of not being as autonomous or as safe getting through cities? I mean, being with somebody else is, of course, a really good one, right? Like if you're on your own, you might feel a little um, less relaxed, you know, than if you're with somebody. Yeah, buddy system, for sure. Having your phone. <laughs> having technology. <laughs> Wait, what? Uh, yes. Having, no, having, a, having a really loud air horn. <laughs> yeah, oh, totally. I feel like I need to get an air horn, honestly. It's like enough, enough people pull out in front of you no matter what you're doing. But then I'd just be that person on a bike with an air horn, and I don't know if I can stomach is that it quite a, yet. Is that a... Is that a thing? Is that like a kind of person? I, I just don't need like 2031 Portlandia to be a like sketch of <laughs> me air horning around Portland. So I'm just going to leave I do, it. I do. I do. <laughs> but, as long as you're also on a unicycle when you do that. There we go. There we go. So you just got to lean into it is what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you use your hands. One hand holds the air horn. Right. Yep. I guess you can do it one handed. Right. Yeah. So. And then I'll have another sign that says uh, unicyclists rights. That's like a stop sign, except it says that on it. It'll be perfect. You start um, uh, painting over like one of the wheels. And a, on and a the, sign on that says shoulders. one less bike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <Or> one less <laughs> wheel. <laughs> one less wheel. There we go. Boom. I like that one. Doing it. Uh, yeah. No, all, all good points. Um, let's see. The... Navigating. Let's see. Anybody have anything else to add? Uh, I think there's been some good stuff brought up. I think, oh, that's what I wanted to touch on was, you know, I think Aaron Aaron touched on it a little bit uh, in regards to Stumptown and Joan as well, is uh, you're never lost if you can find your way back to the start. So maybe yeah. one of the more important things is to remember where you've come from because that can always be used in relation to where you are presently. And I feel like that was very similar to my first experience in Portland where, um, you know, for better or worse, I knew where the REI was 
And so whenever I would ask for directions or give directions, I would always be like, okay, uh, that's great. But where is it in relation to REI? And then like, once I had my correlation, I was able to do like the, the transposing of my mental map. Um, but yeah, having your keystone or having, having like a feeling good enough to know that you're like able to make it back to the start, I feel like is really important for exploring without maps. Um, cause if you can't make it back to start, then you might actually feel a bit lost. Yeah. Um, but, but maintaining that thread to your origin is, is another good one to keep in touch with. That's actually one of the things that, uh, so if I, if I am like genuinely lost, I get really high anxiety over it. Um, and one of the things that sort of keeps that at bay is being able to kind of backtrack at least in my head where I've been. Um, and it's something that I learned like just through hiking. Um, and I, I can't say I've done a lot of like backwoods, backwoods hiking, but I've done some like you know, kind of pretty far out there hiking. And the thing that that I always come back to is like, I at least know how to get back to where I need. Like if something were to go like phenomenally wrong, I know I can at least backtrack all the way back to like the parking lot or to the campsite or, or to wherever, you know, even if it might be like longer than just having gone through or having marched all the way through, you know, sometimes relying on the familiar is a little bit easier. You know, I've mentioned uh, several times a great uh, trip I took um, by train and then with my bike up to Vancouver, BC. And one of the best things, uh, one of the best things about that trip was um, I, I had mapped out the route from the, tr- so I got there at like 1130 at night or something. And uh, I had mapped out the route from the train station to the place where I was staying, which was like three or four miles away. And looking at the, at the app, it didn't make a lot of sense. But when I started biking it, it made so much sense because the bike infrastructure was so good and well-labeled. And I don't think it was a bike there were some parts that were bike only and some places that were just very clearly like way better than our local neighborhood greenways. And it was so, it was like one of those things where doing it is what made sense. And I found that a lot in Vancouver that like a lot of times things didn't make sense looking at it in the app, but actually doing it, there was that flow to the way you know, like once you actually got on the road, you're like, oh, I see. Like what I couldn't tell on the map is that I'm going this way, which feels like it's around, but I'm avoiding that big hill or whatever. And so that was really great. So um, cheers to Vancouver for their good bicycling uh, infrastructure that, that kind of makes sense too. Like we have, we have some routes that don't, you know, they're pretty good. Like you can, f- sometimes I also do try to find my way around by using the green bike sign suggestions uh yeah i know i know they're you? not a, well i don't i don't do it very much yeah. but i mean i'm i'm trying you know like sometimes it does lead me to routes that are just fine that i wouldn't take otherwise right like maybe i just knew the way that was two streets over but then i there's a bike lane or a bike infrastructure that's been added that i didn't know before i don't know it works sometimes <laughs> sometimes it works <laughs> As long as I can find my way back to, I mean, this, I'm not getting lost, right? Like I do this when I have time, right? Like when I'm not in a rush to get where I'm going. Yeah, definitely. 
Well, uh, I think that's a good collection of experiences, tips, tricks, dare I say, life hacks. Well, probably not life hacks. I want to throw we one more. We want to say that to make Brock happy, though, right? Isn't <laughs> yes. that why we yeah. say that? That's Hi, the Brock. only reason we say it. We miss Brock. you, Brock. <laughs> <laughs> I, want to, I want to say, like, one more thing on, on the subject of, like, a technological maps or technological wayfinding, and, and that is, like, you know, I use that quite often as kind of a starting point, and a lot of the city that I that I use quite off like a lot of the city that I use even daily on my on my work commute I probably wouldn't have discovered that if I hadn't like tried to map out a way to get to work that didn't put me on like you know the major streets like Lombard or Columbia um but the the overall philosophy or relationship I have with with wayfinding maps is like trust but verify you know Zoom in, check it out. Does this road look decent to you? Does it look crowded? Um, and like sometimes you find like a little fluke where, oh, hey, there's a little trail over there. And, and you know, you zoom in and you see that like, you know, this trail might, might have some tread on it. And then you decide to try it out. And, oh, look at this. I found my own little bike path that is away from all the traffic. Anyways, I just thought I'd throw that out there. Yeah. That's a good point. I think that's a good point. Yeah, and I think a lot of those little things are some of the best ways to find those are often, yeah, like with other people or other people tell you about yeah. them. I just don't know how you would discover them otherwise. Yeah, the tip about, I think you had mentioned it, Joan, like catching local rides that happen. Uh, you know, yeah. granted, it's it's not like, oh, I need to go to the store. Okay, I'm going to go on this ride and hope it goes by the store. Like, you know, you pick these up aside from that, but it sprinkles in like I, that's my favorite. One of my favorite things about having rides that aren't led by myself is I find so freaking many different ways to go through the city that continues to like to expand my horizons. Um, so that's a really good tip as well. Well, we've made it to the end of yet another Sprocket podcast episode. Did Thank you to, well, Everybody who wrote in and gave us your ideas for show talks. And, and thanks. I think it was uh, Maria Shure, Bicycle Kitty, who made the suggestion to discuss wayfinding. Um, and we, we appreciated all the suggestions. We're, we're um, going to be exploring some more of those ideas yeah. in the weeks and months and uh, uh, possibly years. <laughs> years, of course. years ahead. Of course, years. Since we're all going to be stuck inside in our houses <laughs> by ourselves forever. We'll be here too. We'll just be on our backs, riding our bikes upside down and hoping for better days. That's right. I, is that what we're supposed to be doing? Okay, oh, I'm going to have to. I don't know. Maybe I've been doing it wrong this is, whole time. Is gravity askew? This is interesting. Possibly. I think that's probably what's going on. All right. Well, the Sprocket podcast was produced at <laughs> Portland, Oregon, in our homes. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review and, or, and both tell your friends about us. Like and subscribe. Our <laughs> website is thesprocketpodcast.com. 
email to the sprocket podcast at gmail.com call or text 503-847-9774 twitter and instagram at sprocket podcast thanks to ryan j lane for our theme music hertford for our headline sounder marcus norman for graphic design and thanks to the generous support of our patreon supporters and listeners shadowfoot wayne norman and cameron lean richard wazinski tim mooney glenn kubish Eric Weiss, Doug Cohen-Miller, Chris Smith. Caleb Jacobson. <laughs> Caleb Jacobson, J.P. Cooley, Peanut Butter Jar Matt. <laughs> Marco Lowe, Rich Otterstrom, Drew the Welder. Anna, Andre Johnson, Richard G. Yours truly, Aaron Green, author of We Were Like Sons and founder of The Regrainery. Campsite, Magnus David, Jeremy Kitchen. David Belay, Tim Coleman, Harry Hugel. E.J. Finnerman, Brad Hipwell, Thomas Gato. Keith Hutchinson, Ranger Tom, Joyce Wilson. Ryan Tam, Jason Oftenberg, David Moore, Todd Grosbeck. Chris Barron, Chris Barron. Chris Barron. Chris Barron. Chris Barron. <laughs> Sean Beard, Simon Pace, Gregory Braithwaite. Mike Vids. Dude Luna, what? You're on the call. Me. Emma Rooks. Philip M. Spartandale, Mr. T, who never really left. Bike Initiative, Kiwana, Sarah G. Adam D. Go Dig a Hole, Beth Hammond. Greg Murphy, Myra Martinez, Oso. Isaac M. Byron Patterson, Kirsten Graham. Aaron G. Rachel Moline, Jimmy Diesel, Christopher Barnett. And our newest sponsor, Jonathan Lee. And thanks to all of our former supporters who helped us along the way. Now brush your teeth. And go to bed, because Guthrie sounds kind of mad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just emphatic. I think the word for that is emphatic. Oh, sorry. sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Emphatic. I, I go for NPR every week and I land on whatever this just was. So I'll keep trying. I, I, I go for NPR and, and land on laughing. <laughs> it's it's the best of all solutions. <laughs> all right, we'll see you all next right, week. Thanks everybody. Have a good night. Yeah. Bye everyone.